If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you. Great to be with you again, to look at the Parsha, to understand the Parsha, to try and derive from the Parsha some direction in life, some ideas about how we should live, how we should interact, our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, and our relationship with ourselves, to understand who and what we are, what role we play in this incredible creation that God brought into being. Complicated ideas, complex ideas, but in actual fact, when we look at Torah, it becomes rather Simple, Not simple in the simplistic sense of the word, but simple, clear. It is something which doesn't bring about a state of uncertainty. We know what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and in what way we are able to be the type of people that God wants us to be. After all, God created us for a purpose. Nothing in this world was created randomly or accidentally or purposeless. Each and every single thing within this world has divine purpose, infinite purpose, all of creation is dependent upon that specific action, that specific choice that individual makes along the line of life. And while, of course, we look at ourselves and we tend to think that our actions are somewhat insignificant, small in comparison and relationship to all of creation, how many people have there been, are there in the world today, billions and billions of people throughout the ages, and yet we say, based on Torah thought, mystical teachers tell us that each and every single action plays a huge and significant role within the complexity of all of creation. The answer, of course, is that when we think in human terms alone, obviously it's something which boggles the mind. But when we understand that from a divine perspective, each and every single thing, each and every single detail, each and every single moment, action and choice has purpose, we begin to understand that, yes, each and every single individual has purpose in being as well. And in our day and age, it's becoming so much easier to understand. In the world of computers, in the world of technology, we begin to appreciate the infinity of numbers and the control of data, the control of information, and yet how one single element is able to interfere with the entire structure of millions and billions of calculations. We see the hugeness of what it's all about, and at the same time, respect and understand the individuality of it all as well. And this is why when we turn to Torah, we turn to Torah for two reasons. First of all, to hear the Word of God. Second of all, to know how to behave. But perhaps, in a sense, most of all, to know what we have to do to find that special message that Torah has, talking to me, understanding myself. Not an easy task, because after all, to understand oneself takes tremendous courage, tremendous humility, tremendous honesty in order to know oneself, one's strengths, one's weaknesses, where one belongs, where one comes from, to understand one's environment, the era, the time that we live in. All these elements play a huge role in the definition of the individual, and it's precisely this that we have to find within Torah in order to understand who and what we are, what our lives are all about. And this week's Parsha is an amazing Parsha, amazing because it contains so many different types of laws, and when we will look at some of them, it is quite 
unbelievable to see how God really concerns himself with the most minute detail of our lives in the most significant sort of way, how God talks to us about certain behavior patterns, how God talks to us about certain choices that we have to make. This is a Parsha that if we begin to explore slowly, if we have the time to explore it slowly, we will see a huge, a huge, vast panorama of incredible insights into God's world, into ourselves, and how God expects us to behave and to live each and every single moment of our lives. The Parsha is Kedoshim, which simply translated in the modern vernacular is to be holy. And very often this Parsha is read together with the previous Parsha of Achrei. Achrei and Kedoshim are often read together, but because of the structure of the calendar this year and the festivals as they are, they are separated. In Israel, they we're together, and we are one week behind the Torah reading that people in Israel are celebrating each and every single week. But we are talking about Kedoshim. Kedoshim speaks to us about the idea of becoming a holy people. And I use that word holy reservedly, because unfortunately, English, like most languages, are limited in their ability to truly define a situation. When we speak about the language of Torah, we're speaking about the language of creation, divine language, God's language. And yes, of course, God's language is infinite. God's language is perfect. God's language is such that it defines things in the most correct and pure way. And even though very often one word can have a number of meanings, but nonetheless, each and every one of those meanings specify a particular area of God's creation, a particular area of God's world that we have to understand in order to understand ourselves and our personal mode of behavior. What is achrei? Achrei means after. After what? After we have learned last week about the death of the sons of Aaron, that they erred in their understanding of what their purpose in this world was all about. They expired in spiritual ecstasy. Their souls left their bodies in a moment of unbelievable greatness. They no longer had a place and purpose in this world. That was considered a sin. That was considered a mistake. So, Achare, after that, what comes after that? After we realize that that's not the definition of perfection from a Torah perspective, that is not the definition of correctness from a divine point of view, we have to live within this world. As I mentioned last week, the great challenge is to understand how to live within this world correctly, not to be influenced overly by the world, not to be seduced by the negativity of the world, not to allow oneselves to be controlled by those elements which within this world which don't upgrade and bring us to a higher and better level. This is the great challenge. The great challenge is not to escape. The great challenge is not to hide behind walls. The great challenge is not to live some sort of strange mystical life on top of a mountain or behind huge walls that cuts one off from the world. The idea of perfection from a divine point of view, as discussed last week and many times before, is the ability of living within this physical world, using the physical world, living within the context of physical dimension, but doing it correctly, doing it in a way which brings about a fulfillment of God's purpose, a fulfillment of God's creation. This is the achare. We have learned that escape is not perfection. Living in a state of perfect or distant holiness is not the correct way of life. We have to understand 
what life is all about. And yet the parsha called Kedoshim, be holy. We just said that that concept of holiness is not something that we desire, that we should in fact pursue. This is not what it's all about. We have to live in the physical world. What is Kedoshim all about? What does Kedoshim mean to be holy? And as mentioned before, the English language, like all other languages, are limited. And therefore, when they refer to the word Kedoshim, to be holy, one thinks about holiness in the sense as the opposite of profane. There is the holy, that which is sanctified, that which is in a higher spiritual level, and that which is profane, that which is physical, that which exists within a material dimension of existence. This is not what the word Kedoshim means. Kedoshim has an altogether different type of definition, and once we understand that definition, we'll understand the Parsha as well, we begin to see the incredible range of laws that affect our lives in the most intimate sort of way, we begin to understand what it means to be Kedoshim, special people in the eyes of God. More of that soon. This is the Parsha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about Kedoshim, how to be holy. And as I said before, holy is a word that is really not compatible with the word Kedoshim or Kedusha. Kedusha has a far greater range of meaning. And once we understand that, we'll begin to understand, as I said before, that which the Parsha contains. And this is why when we take a look at this particular passage, we have to see it within the context of what the Torah says. God says, Kedoshim to you, I want you to be holy, Kedoshani, because I am holy. Because God says, I want you to be like me. A huge request. God, after all, is creator of heaven and earth. God is the ultimate truth. God is beyond any type of definition. God is perfect in every sense of the word. How can he possibly expect Man, how can he possibly expect a human to be like him? And while, of course, much has been written in great works of philosophy and thinking and theology, religion, about imitatio Dei, imitating God, so to speak, and unfortunately throughout the ages a great many religions have abused that term. They wanted to become like God, and they saw within that the license, the right to behave in a way of, terrible power and terrible immorality standing above the law they are after all god when we speak about following the way of god emulating the way of god we have to understand within the context of this pasuk what does it mean and kedoshim of course what it actually means is to be separate to be distinct to be unique to be set aside for a very specific and different type of purpose and this is why when we speak about kedushin the act of marriage what we talk about is kedushin that this person has been set aside for an exclusive relationship with x y or z this is something we which Kedusha is. Kedusha means being in a particular area, a specific area, separate, divided, and after all, quite unique. And while, of course, many would take exception to the word divided, there is nothing wrong with that, because it is individuality which ultimately enables us to be who and what we are. When we speak about some sort of monolithic great, that everybody is the same, everybody walks around, talks around, thinks, dresses exactly the same, this is an insult to the human condition. The human condition is unique. The human condition is specific. We are creatures 
creatures of incredible, incredible powers and strengths. And above all, it's the individuality that enables us not only to know ourselves, but to know our purpose as well. And this is what God is saying. I want you to behave just as I am separate, so too you must be separate. And what is the separateness of God? God, after all, is creator of heaven and earth. Yes, he brings the entire creation into being, all that we see, all that we know, time and space, and all those elements, the inanimate, the animal, the world of vegetation, the human world, everything within the world is brought about by God's divine act of creation. Nonetheless, God, in a sense, is not influenced by creation. God stands higher than creation. Yes, of course, he responds to creation. He listens to creation. He listens to that which his creatures call out to him. He is involved within his creation, but it doesn't in any way limit the greatness of God that he is part of creation in a sense that he now becomes in a sense, a created creature. He always remains creator. He always remains higher than any type of definition, any type of restriction. This is why within the context of this paragraph, we also come across the prohibition again and again and again of idolatry. Do not make for yourself images, forms, molten images, because after all, they are worthless. They are man-made and therefore simply part of the human imagination and the human desire to be in control. God says, this is the world that I brought into being. Understand me. Know how I interact with the world, how I relate to the world, how I listen to the world, and yet remain in the true sense of the word, unaffected. I stand higher than everything. It in no way limits who and what I am. This is what's called upon each and every one of us to behave in a particular sort of way, that although we are very much part of the world, we have to stand higher than being defined by the world. We, in fact, define the world in which we are. And I've often told the story of how the former chief rabbi of the United Kingdom, Lord Jonathan Sachs, while he was a student at Cambridge, came to see the Lubavitcher Rebbe of blessed memory. And the Rebbe asked him, what are you doing for the Jewish students of Cambridge? And Sachs tells the story of how he responded to the Rebbe by saying, in the circumstances in which I find myself. And the Rebbe stopped him and said, a Jew does not find himself in circumstances. A Jew creates the circumstances in which he finds himself. This is the power of the Jew. God is telling us right at the beginning of this portion, Kedoshim to you, I want you to be special, unique, identifiable, separate as I am. I am very much part of the creation that I brought into being, says God, but I am not limited or influenced by it. You, too, are part of a physical world and in many ways limited by those elements of the physical world, your minds, your hearts, your bodies, your spirit. Ultimately, all those things, in a sense, are limited. But at the same time, you have the power to imitate me that by exercising choices correctly and powerfully, with great courage, with great faith, with great devotion and determination, you can create an environment over which you have control, not one that controls you. And this 
this is how the parsha begins. Achere, after we have learned that man cannot and should not escape the physical dimensions of the world, we are now being told of how, in fact, he can control the physical dimensions of the world. A huge ask, a huge request. After all, this is a lifetime of work. But nonetheless, this is the journey, this is the road, this is the path that we wish to walk upon in order to achieve that type of definition that God expects from us. You be holy like I am holy. Not holy in the simple sense of the word, the opposite of profane, but by being unique and distinct and being in charge of your own reality, creating the conditions in which you live, creating within your environment the values that you have heard from me. Instead of allowing the world to define how you should behave, how you should think, how you should dress, how you should eat, how you should walk, how you should relate to one another. Let me do that. And while, of course, it takes tremendous strength and courage to stand up against the world and behave differently, behave uniquely, behave in a way which is specific to you as a Jew, specific to you as an individual who listens to the word of God within the context of Torah, then you will know that you are like me. I am giving you that gift. I am empowering you with the ability of having that divine strength, just as God says, I create the world, and I am involved in the world, yet I am not limited by the world, so you too can be in the world, and by exercising choices correctly, by having courage and strength and faith and devotion, determination, you can create an environment which is incredibly powerful, which is very close to the essence of God himself. And how does he start all of that? He says, I'm not telling you this as a philosophy, as an idea, and now go find yourself or go find a way through which you are able to bring this into reality, into a conscious way of life. What's the very first thing God says? Ish, a person, a human, aviv imo, aviv tiro, sorry, imova aviv, your mother and your father, you must respect. And of course the word tiro often is translated simply as fear. You have to have a tremendous sense of awe for your parents. You have to have a tremendous sense of respect in the fullest sense of the word. Now this, of course, is the beginning of how any individual understands and lives life. The type of education that his parents give him, the type of education that her parents exemplify the type of education that brings about a deep respect for parents and parenthood. And we live in a world, unfortunately, today, where parenthood is not really what it should be. Instead of children being in awe of their parents, parents are in awe and they fear their children. Parents are afraid to make clear decisions that will tell their children how to behave. And this is something which is a huge problem. Of course, it has to be done with love and with consideration and with closeness. It can't be done in a rough and gruff way. But at the same time, there has to be a determination on the part of parents to be parents. And as parents, they are obligated with a tremendous duty and responsibility and privilege of introducing their children to a way of life that will enable them to follow a path of 
of becoming holy as God is holy. This is what parenthood is all about. Parents have that incredible relationship and responsibility with their children and for their children to bring about that state of consciousness. And it comes in all sorts of different ways. A parent has to exercise the responsibility of parenthood if, in fact, a parent desires that a child ultimately should truly reflect his and respect his and her parents. But God goes further than that. He doesn't stop there. He says, even though you have to respect your parents, your parents also have to respect a higher authority. And therefore, it says immediately within the context of the same passage, my Sabbath, my Shabbos, you shall observe, you shall protect. That if, in fact, a parent tells a child to behave in a way which is contrary to the law of God, does the child have to listen? And in those instances, our sages tell us, no, they don't have to listen, because both parent and child are obligated to a higher authority, and that's the law of Torah and the law of God. This brings together an incredible circle of interaction, God, parent, child, in order to bring about a state of holiness, not only in a sense of creating a wonderful family unity and a wonderful family structure, but it goes far beyond that. It goes into the realm of creating a circle, God, parent, child. This is the way through that circle of correctness you will bring about a consciousness of kedoshim to you, of being holy as I am holy, says God. If you truly want to have children who have the courage and the strength and the power as they do within But if you want to bring out those elements to have the courage and the strength and the power to be masters of their own conditions and their own choices, you have to teach them, indeed, from a very young age, how to behave and how to behave correctly. And this is how Parsha Kedoshim begins. It makes this huge demand. God says, I want you to be holy like I am holy. But immediately God breaks it down to a practicality of how to achieve and what is in fact the first step. The first step is education within the home. Education through word and example of parents who bring about a state of correctness within their family environment, which enables a child to go further. And what's the second stage? The second stage is don't allow negativity. Don't allow idolatry to become part of your life. And what is idolatry? Idolatry are those elements outside of your home of your life, of your soul, of your body that try to destroy the uniqueness of God, that try to destroy this incredible journey that God has empowered us with. And this is the second stage to understand what values parents have to share with their children, parents have to give to their children in order for the child to want to continue. Yes, of course, as the child grows, formal education comes into play, but it's this initial interaction between parent and child which enables a family structure to create that circle, God, parent, and child, a circle of power, a circle of strength, a circle of clarity, which gives the child the understanding and the ability how to deal with life 
as life goes on. And this is the way that God begins this entire narrative of this parsha, understanding what it means to be holy, and yet at the same time giving us practical advice of how to achieve that. More of that soon. This is the Parsha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about how to be holy, how to, in fact, imitate God, how, in fact, to be like God, how God empowers us to have that strength, to have that power, to have that determination that we are able to be like Him. He creates the world and He controls every aspect of the world as intimately involved with every aspect of the world. But at the same time, He is higher and above the world. He is not limited by or defined by the world that He creates. He, in fact, defines the world. And this is something that we are able to do, to live in the this physical world and stand higher above those elements that try to define for us what is right, what is wrong, what is correct, what is proper, what is desirable, what in fact our ambition should be. We stand higher. We, in fact, define those dimensions based upon our relationship with God through the mitzvot that he gave us in the Torah through an understanding of what Torah is all about. And this is why, as I said before, it begins at the very start of life with parents educating their children in definite, subtle, and strong ways with courage and with strength in order to follow a particular way of life where they have the courage and the strength to stand up and behave like Jews despite the fact that there are so many elements within the world, elements of idolatry and every dimension of idolatry that tries to destroy, to break the uniqueness of the Jewish people when in fact they want to be like God. And this is why when we take a look at the Parsha, we cover so many different types of laws, laws of social responsibility, taking care of the poor, making sure that while we harvest our fields, we don't forget about those who don't have fields and those who need bread and those who have to come to us. And we have the divine responsibility, not only the social responsibility, not only the humanistic type of responsibility, but divine responsibility of taking care of the less fortunate in a dignified and powerful and proper sort of way. And this is why in every single mitzvah contained, almost every single passage, when God makes a certain demand from us with a particular type of law, he always says, because I am God, you're God. Because all these things have to be based upon a profound and intimate faith between ourselves and God to know this is infinite, this is real, this is not subject to time and place and fashion and what is acceptable from a modern point of view, but in actual fact, what is acceptable from an eternal point of view. And this is why we speak. We speak about the great, great commandment of to love our fellow as we love ourselves. Yet, right afterwards, what does it say? And we often forget that. Because I am God, says God. Because I am God. I created all of you. And I have created this incredible, infinite, powerful link between each and every one of you. A sense of interresponsibility, a sense of a relationship that is not based upon desire or need. I give and therefore I receive or I receive an order. 
to get, I have to give, but because this is a commandment from God, just as parents have the unique responsibility of educating their children in a particular and healthy and good way, so do we have a responsibility to each and every single element of creation. And we begin to see how, in fact, God takes all these things so seriously, and there is nothing outside the realm of Torah that governs our life. And I'm going to mention one or two things which might be of interest, because that gives us insight into how important detail is, how important what we consider the least significant elements of our lives are in fact truly important, where God says you have to cut your hair in a particular sort of way. You can't cut the sides and leave the top uncut. And this is why when I look at the world today and hairstyles today, and I begin to think to myself, some of them are actually so hideous, and yet people follow those styles because this is what everybody else is doing instead of exercising true individuality, instead of exercising a tremendous sense of respect for one's body, for one's hair, for the way one cuts one hair. We allow ourselves to be influenced by elements outside of ourselves that have anything but a godly purpose in mind. And it also speaks about, within that same passage almost, it speaks about the prohibition of putting tattoos on your body. Where once upon a time in our own lifetimes, the average person wouldn't think about putting a tattoo on their bodies. But today it's become so commonplace. And the fact that if you don't have what they call ink on your body, a tattoo, there is something wrong with you. And yet God says, I want you to protect that body that I gave you. And these are things that can interfere with this incredible pursuit for greatness, for imitating God in a particular and and holy and proper sort of way, where God says these things are interference. It won't allow for the incredible energy flow of your soul to come into your body. Yes, precisely how you cut your hair. Yes, precisely what you do with your body. And a person can't say, it's my body. I can do whatever I want with my body. This body is not yours. This body is a gift from God that he entrusted to you, that he gave you to use in a particular sort of way for X amount of years. And as you have to respect your body, so your body will respect you as well. This incredible relationship of body and soul. No, we don't run away. We don't escape from the reality of the world. We live within the world, but within the world, there are very real and definite rules by which and through which we live, through which we fulfill our greater purpose. And if you take a look at the entire Parsha, whether it's about relationships, whether it's about how to work the land, whether it's social responsibility, whether it's taking a haircut properly, whether exercising the prohibition of tattooing your body, whether going through the streets gossiping, whatever the case might be, we think it's commonplace, we think it's ordinary, we think that society defines Defines these things for us. No, we define those dimensions within society. Everybody else, yes, can be wrong. One can be the only individual, as we've learned from Abraham, the only individual who stands up to the world and says, you are all wrong. Majority does not, in fact, imply correctness. There is no democracy within Torah. Yes, of course, there is the idea in a court of justice, which, in fact, is contained within the Parsha as well, a court of justice. 
justice is ruled by majority decision, but in fact, the majority can never undermine the law of God, no matter how many people behave and think and speak in a particular sort of way. If it is contrary to the law of Torah, we have to have the strength, the courage, the ability to be a little bit different, often to be a lot different, but to be uniquely Jewish. And this is something which so many Jews are afraid to exercise, this incredible privilege, this incredible gift of being uniquely Jewish. And we try our best, say, some people, to, well not to be uniquely Jewish. And this, of course, is a tragedy. And how the Parsha and the Parsha again says, and I want you to be holy to me. I want you to be Kedoshim. I want you to be unique and separate and distinct because I am holy. I am separate. I am distinct. And I have separated you from the nations of the world in order to be my type of people. And this is the greatness of this week's Parsha. So when you are in shul tomorrow, do yourself a huge favor. Listen carefully to the reading of the Torah because each and every single law speaks volumes about who and what we are. It might sound, well, simple, simple things like how to speak, how to cut my hair, how to behave in a particular sort of way. But each and every one of those details defines who and what we are. And we have to allow that definition to become our own so we can define the world properly as well. Listen carefully to every single word. Listen carefully to every single passage. It will bring you a tremendous gift of self-awareness and self-pride where ultimately you can say, yes, I am godly and I am holy as God is.